Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. And a good Thursday morning. Check it out now. We can say the holiday season is officially underway. Oh, she looks good back there. And its arrival is coming with encouraging news when it comes to the economy. It is December 1st. This is today. Positive signs, a new move to avoid that looming rail strike in the lead up to Christmas. This morning, the action now being taken on Capitol Hill and new evidence, the push to control record inflation and soaring prices could be working. We've got everything you need to know and the impact on your bottom line. Center of the storm, the CEO once hailed as the king of crypto, speaks out about the sudden collapse of his company. Look, I screwed up like I was CEO. We, we messed up big. Straight ahead, his message to investors who lost billions and his response to allegations they were deliberately misled. Holding court, the Prince and Princess of Wales stepping out at the NBA game as they begin their U.S. tour, a visit being overshadowed by new allegations of racism surrounding the royal family back home. We'll have the very latest. Save the dates. The holiday shipping frenzy is heating up. Just ahead, the deadlines you need to know and what you can do to save on all those packages you have to mail. All that plus remembering Christine McVie. Tributes pouring in for the star behind some of Fleetwood Mac's most iconic songs led by the band's surviving members. They're touching messages as we celebrate McVie's remarkable life and music. And let there be light. The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree brought to life during a festive star-studded celebration, marking the official arrival of the most wonderful time of the year. Today, Thursday, December 1st, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, boy, is it good to see you this Thursday morning. We're happy to be out here together, but we're also happy to be here with that lady behind us in all her glory, our tree after the lighting ceremony last night. Oh, isn't she lovely, Mm -hmm. Hoda Copy? It was an evening of lights and stars filled with truly incredible performances. And there's always the highlight, of course, that moment we switched the lights on for the very first time mm, this season. Loved it. It was beautiful. A lot of folks coming to yeah. check out this tree. Meantime, there also appear to be some bright spots when it comes to the nation's economy as the holiday season is heating up. In fact, take a look at these new numbers, folks. The economy growing faster than expected last quarter. The GDP rising to almost 3%. Wall Street approving yesterday. The Dow up more than 700 points. And Americans appear eager to spend with nearly 200 million of us shopping 
going over Thanksgiving. But we are keeping our eye on a looming economic threat. That's a possible railroad worker strike. It could start next week. It could affect virtually every aspect of the supply chain. NBC's Tom Costello is inside Studio 1A. He's got it covered for us. Hey, Tom, good morning. Hey, guys, good morning. So for most of this year, the Federal Reserve has been waging an aggressive campaign to bring down 40-year high inflation. It's been rising, raising interest rates at a pace not seen in decades. And, of course, that impacts mortgage rates, credit cards, new loans. Now new evidence that inflation may be starting to wane. And in the meantime, the possibility of a rail strike now hinges on what Congress does. With the holiday season in full swing, this morning Congress is taking steps to stop that looming rail strike. The House passing a bill that forces an agreement between rail companies and their workers. It now goes to the Senate, where it faces a harder path, but leaders there working to pass it quickly to avoid disrupting holiday shipping and potentially rocking the economy, which right now is showing new signs of strength despite record inflation. Revised government stats show the economy grew faster than expected in the third quarter, with GDP rising at an annual rate of 2.9%. And there's evidence the job market is cooling off. A new Labor Department survey shows job openings fell in October to 10.3 million from 10.7 million the previous month. And that's actually good news because the shortage of workers has been driving up wages and feeding inflation. Hopeful signs for the Federal Reserve following its aggressive series of interest rate hikes while it tries to tamp down inflation. Now the Fed Chairman Jay Powell is signaling the central bank will slow the pace of those rate increases this month from three quarters of a point hike to a half point hike. It makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint that will be sufficient to bring inflation down. That was welcome news on Wall Street, with the Dow surging more than 700 points on Wednesday. Still, Chairman Powell says rates will have to remain high for an extended period. If the U.S. manages to avoid an economic downturn, experts say it will be driven by strong consumer spending. If we're out there spending, the economy should be able to move forward without an economic downturn. It comes as shoppers are bringing holiday cheer to retailers. The National Retail Federation says nearly 197 million people flocked to stores from Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday. I've shopped like never before. I think the prices were really good. And Tom, all of this is happening as we're seeing gas prices tick down. Yeah, and pretty dramatically, too. You know, the national average right now on gasoline is now averaging three forty-seven a gallon. Yes, we know, almost $5 a gallon out in California. But the national, down 28 cents in a month. That's pretty significant. Yeah. And a year ago, we were at three thirty-five. So look where we are right now. It's really an amazing come down from $5 gas back in June down to where we are right now. Yeah, trending the right way. All Hopefully. right, Tom Costello. Tom, thank you. Good you to bet. see you, Tom. We have an update this morning for you as well on that triple threat of respiratory illnesses sweeping the nation. The CDC now reporting millions of Americans have already suffered from the flu this season, making it the worst outbreak in years. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin is in Los Angeles where children's hospitals are facing a surge of sick kids. Aaron, good morning. Craig, good morning. That's right. And with 76% of pediatric beds occupied nationwide, no corner of the country is being spared. In Virginia, health officials confirming the state's first pediatric flu-related death. Doctors urging everyone to take precautions against the flu, COVID, and RSV. 
With the holiday season in full swing and Thanksgiving travel reaching nearly pre-pandemic levels, new cases of the flu, RSV and COVID are expected to keep rising. Because of travel patterns last week, we expect rates will go up evenly, probably across the country. The CDC reporting high or very high respiratory illness activity within 35 states, with at least 6.2 million influenza cases reported so far. Across the U.S., flu activity is more than 20 times higher compared to last year. The spike happening at the same time it's becoming more difficult in some regions to find certain medications needed to ease symptoms, like children's ibuprofen and Tamiflu. The combination of the high viral activity and the lack of some of these available remedies and treatments is creating a worsening of this triple-demic. Here in California, new RSV cases are overwhelming many children's hospitals. Orange County extending its RSV and flu-related emergency declaration after ER visits to its main children's hospital doubled. On social media, a parent sharing her baby's terrifying experience. Marissa Clark spent Thanksgiving in the hospital with her son, Brixen. He was really, really struggling to breathe. The three-month-old was diagnosed with RSV and went into respiratory failure. After five days in the pediatric ICU, baby Brixen is finally home. Making sure that you're catching that stuff before it gets too late. With the winter holidays approaching, Dr. Patel reminds us there's some simple steps you can take to protect yourself and loved ones. Masks are readily available and make sure your flu shot and COVID boosters are up to date. Craig. Glad that baby's okay as well. Aaron McLaughlin for us there. Aaron, thank you. A large visual uh, brought the University of Idaho community together overnight to honor the four young students who were found stabbed to death in an off-campus home last month. Parents of those victims addressed the thousands of mourners while police, they continue to investigate the mysterious murders. NBC's Morgan Chesky was also at the vigil. He joins us this morning. Hey, Morgan, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. And it was equal parts emotional and powerful hearing the parents of these victims pour out their hearts to thousands of people who listened in absolute silence. Now, police here in Moscow assure everyone progress is being made on this case. But with the killer still at large, this fear absolutely remains at the University of Idaho. Emotional pleas and prayers. And we ask that the memory of Ethan, Kaylee, Zana and Madison Be a light that dispels the shadow of these days. As friends and family of the four students lost came together to grieve. The father of Kaylee Gonzalez sharing his beloved daughter was with her best friend, Maddie Mogan, in their final moments. They came here together, and in the end, they died together in the same room, in the same bed. Other schools across the state held similar vigils. The families and the public still looking for answers. Early in the investigation, police described the attack as targeted, but didn't disclose their basis for that conclusion. This week, the county prosecutors saying targeted may not have been the right word, but that the killer was focused on the house. Investigators believe that whoever's responsible um, was specifically looking at this particular residence. And telling another reporter that a resident was targeted. But his office then saying that was a miscommunication. And Moscow police saying detectives do not currently know if the residents or any occupants were specifically targeted. Is there anything investigators can tell this community to ease their fears 
about a potential murderer being out there. Well, what I can say is that we continue to investigate 24-7. We have 50 agents and detectives on the ground. With no suspects named and no murder weapon found, police are turning to the public to help fill in a detailed timeline. It would be nice to know maybe who they interacted with, maybe what routes they took to go home. A community shaken to its core, still waiting for answers. Make sure that you spend as much time as possible with those people because time is precious and it's something you can't get back. Uh, Such a tough night for so many people here in Moscow. Police tell me they do not have a suspect description or even a person of interest right now, but they are optimistic. In the meantime, a top criminal profiler saying they wouldn't be surprised if the killer themselves was at last night's vigil or another similar event to witness the traumatic aftermath of this horrific crime. And that fear has caused one of the families of one of these victims to actually postpone a funeral until further notice. Greg Hodel, we'll send it back to you. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Morgan, there for us in Moscow, Idaho. Meantime, we are learning a lot more about the stunning collapse of cryptocurrency giant FTX. It was once valued at $32 billion, right now effectively worthless in bankruptcy, leaving creditors and customers wondering if they're ever going to see their money again. Sam Bankman-Fried, the, the man behind that company, he actually talked to CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin at the New York Times Dealbook Summit yesterday. It was his first extended on-camera live interview, and he appeared to express some contrition over what's happened. Look, I screwed up. Like, I was CEO. I had a responsibility. That means that I was responsible, ultimately, for us doing the right things. And, I mean, I we didn't. Like, we, we messed up big. Wow. Andrew Ross Sorkin joins us right now. That was kind of a big confession there. I mean, this company worth $32 billion now. He's got like $100,000 on a credit card or something like that. Is, the, is, this, is what he's saying, like, I had no idea what went wrong? Is that plausible? I think a lot of people are asking that question this morning and whether his answers were truthful. What appears to have happened is he was running the equivalent of a stock exchange, taking people's money that they thought they were investing in cryptocurrencies. He was also running another hedge fund, his own investment firm, investing in cryptocurrencies. And he was, quote unquote, loaning money from those people to himself and then gambling with that money. Some people call that stealing. Um, He says that he didn't intend to do that and he didn't realize what was happening. But of course... As you might imagine, lots of people asking lots of questions. Yeah, anyway, that, was the, that was the best summary I've yeah. heard so far yeah. of, of what's Me transpired. Too. Here's the thing. I'm watching this interview yesterday, and I'm thinking, why in the world is this guy talking to Andrew Osorio? There's no reason that I would assume that his lawyers would think that was a good idea. This is part of, of what, what else he said from the Bahamas. I think I have a duty to do everything I can to try and do what's right. If there is anything I can do to, to try and help customers out here. And uh, I don't see what good is accomplished by me just sitting locked, uh, you know, you know, in a room pretending the outside world doesn't exist. Okay, so there's the explanation about why he was talking. But I mean, criminal liability, what's the potential for that here? I think it's very real. Uh, The Department of Justice uh, investigating. He is living in the Bahamas. That's where uh, he had incorporated the company to live outside of the jurisdiction of the United States. Mm -hmm. By the way, his parents Law professors yeah. at Stanford University. Mm. Um, and he said specifically this was against the advice of his lawyers to 
conduct and participate, of course, in this Can I interview. ask one last question? Yeah. These They're regular, everyday people who invested this. They yeah. trusted, they put, some put their life savings into it. Is there any shot that those people will get any return, any money back after this? There mess? is something called FTX.US. It's the U.S. branch of this. And that, there is possibly some money there. So for, for some Americans who, who invested through that exchange, there might be some possibility mm-hmm. of getting money back. But I received... Emails and letters and notes from people who said they lost their life savings. Oh. Wow. Terrible. Andrew, thank that you. was a fascinating interview, yeah, by you. the way, with him. People should watch the whole thing. Yeah, uh, thank, very much. Thanks, Andrew. Thank, thank you. you. Good to see you guys. We got a lot more uh, to get to, including the drama playing out at the World Cup. The U.S. men now just two days away from their highly anticipated knockout round against the Netherlands. NBC's Megan Fitzgerald's got a great seat. She's in Doha, Qatar, with a look at the support Team USA is getting from there. Also, they're getting a lot of support from here, too, Megan. Oh, absolutely. And good morning to you, Hoda. I can tell you that the excitement is building ahead of Saturday's big game. I mean, as you mentioned, from here in Doha to every corner of the U.S., fans are pumped up, fired up, ready to go. But the question is, will Team USA's biggest star be healthy enough to take the field on Saturday? This morning, the countdown is on. Team USA just two days away from a showdown against the Netherlands. The biggest question, will Christian Pulisic play on Saturday? This morning, the team telling NBC News his condition is still day-to-day. After suffering a pelvic injury during the game-winning goal against Iran, Pulisic letting fans and teammates know he hopes to play. Another U.S. standout, Eunice Musa, telling Hoda and Craig, He's feeling better, so hopefully he'll be all right for Saturday. Now a trip to the quarterfinals on the line. We, we relish this. It's an opportunity for our guys to, you know, to keep grinding. Excitement around the win or go home match reaching a fever pitch. It is electric in there. In the States, fans have been cheering on the home team. Andrea Botello turned her restaurant into a watch party for fans. I've heard of people just taking time off work for all of the games and fans flocking to the team in Doha, including this young supporter who was given the gift of a lifetime, a signed jersey by midfielder Weston McKinney. After failing to qualify for the last World Cup in 2018, the pressure is on. I think Christian Pulisic will play in this game. Uh, He'll do anything he can to play in this game because this is what he's been looking forward to his entire life. Now, look, a win on Saturday would be huge. The last time the men's team advanced to the quarterfinals was in 2002 when the games were played in Japan and South Korea. But look, we've been watching this tournament closely. I can tell you our guys have every chance to pull this off. Okay. We're young. We're scrappy. We're ready, Megan. All right. We'll be watching. Thank you. Uh The Netherlands better watch out. Yeah. Uh, Time now for that first check of the weather as we say good morning to Dylan and for Al once again. Good morning to you guys, too. Yes, we do have much quieter weather. They're expected across the Northeast, although the winds are still strong enough to produce some lake effect snow, especially off of Lake Ontario. Another couple of inches possible out in that part of upstate New York. But look at the wind advisories. They still extend up across New England. Winds will be gusty on the backside of that storm system from yesterday. Chilly, too. High temperatures today in Washington, D.C., about 43 degrees. Boston, 41. But when you tack on that wind, it'll feel like we're in the upper 20s and lower 30s. There is some warm air. It's all sitting in the middle of the country. Kansas City, 66 
degrees today. Chicago, 50 degrees. That'll feel real nice, although it is going to get cooler as we approach the weekend. Chicago, 32 on Sunday, back up to 40 or on Saturday, back up to 41 on Sunday and then down into the 30s again on Monday. So we are going to see some of that warmer air work in and then work right back out. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Still ahead, William and Kate wrapping up day one of their U.S. visit in the spotlight. You don't usually see Royals courtside at an NBA <laughs> game, but there they were. Uh, Keir Simmons is in Boston for us. Hey, Keir. Hey, Hoda, we were at the Celtics game with William and Kate last night. I gotta tell you, it was quite a scene, but it's not what's been happening here in Boston that's been making the headlines. There is a storm of controversy back home in London. We'll have all the details. Also, we've been helping you save on your holiday shopping this morning. We're going to focus on shipping all of those gifts you've bought. We're going to share some clever ways that you can cut down your costs and the dates that you need to mark on your calendar right now so everything gets there on time. But first, this is Today on NBC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed Oh, that is beautiful. We are back. It is 7.30 on this Thursday morning. We're back with the beautiful results of last night's tree lighting. Mm -hmm. That 82-foot Norway spruce now glowing brightly here at Rockefeller Center. 800,000 people roughly. Wow. Every single day are going to come by. Yeah. Take a look at that tree. Yeah. Chanel joins the table. It's so wonderful to see you here. It was wonderful hosting the celebration. But, of course, we all wish that Al could have been with us. But. Due to some complications, he is back in the hospital and he's in very good care. He's resting and his doctors are keeping a close eye on him. Al and his family want everybody to know how grateful they are for all the love, the support and the well wishes. And Craig and I had a chance to FaceTime him (laughs) from the parade and he gave us uh, a a big thumbs up. So good to see you. And we will see you back here soon, Uh my friend. Right now, we turn to those 730 headlines on this Thursday morning. A Democratic led House committee now has access to six years of former President Donald Trump's tax returns. And it comes after a multi-year court fight. The Treasury Department says it has 
complied with a court order making those documents available to the House Ways and Means Committee. Last week, the Supreme Court rejected Trump's last-ditch plea to block their release. At this point, it is not clear what House Democrats plan to do with those returns. A judge has declared a mistrial at the rape trial of that 70 show actor Danny Masterson. Jurors told an L.A. judge that they were hopelessly deadlocked. They could not come to a unanimous verdict on any count. Masterson is charged with the rape of three women between 2001 and 2003. He pleaded not guilty. A retrial is scheduled for March, but Masterson's lawyer says he will seek to dismiss the case. Now to a basketball game with an unforgettable ending. It wasn't in the NBA, college, or even high school. This one involved middle school age kids in Illinois. Milton Pope was down by one point with just three seconds to go. And here's what happened next. No way. Boom. No way. Oh, yes way. His name is Cooper. And let me tell you, Cooper Thorson, now the most popular kid in school. He has the full court oh my God. shot at the buzzer. Milton Pope beats their cross, and it was their rival, too. So, you know, that's fun in middle school. Marcel's certainly a moment these kids will never. Are you kidding me? I mean, how shocked. does that I even mean- Happen. No, I'm in shock right now. I mean, that like, was it left on. You know, you do those, and you know they never really go in. No, you don't practice that. By the way, that. never give up. That's no. a never, never give, give up, up moment. All right. Boston. Speaking of basketball, by the way, the Prince and Princess of Wales, they're waking up in Boston after taking in a Celtics game. They were courtside to cap off their first day of their royal visit to the United States. Yeah, that's right. And they may be happy to be far from Buckingham Palace this morning as a growing controversy fills some new questions about racism among the royals. NBC's chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons, joins us from Boston with more on this one. Hey, Keir, good morning. Hey, Craig. Hey, Hoda. Good morning to you. Well, goodness me, a lot has happened since we last spoke, and as you mentioned, not so much here in Boston, but back in London. We were at that Celtics game with the Prince and Princesses of Wales there at the Garden last night. They looked like they were having a great time, but the headlines from the UK tell a different story. Prince William and Princess Catherine on the fan cam at the Celtics game last night in Boston and seen here snapping photos with fans from their courtside seats. But their hopes to make a good impression on their first trip to the States in nearly a decade, rocked by new racism allegations back home. Charity executive Ngozi Faloni, seen here at Buckingham Palace Monday, just steps away from Queen Consort Camilla, says she was questioned at the event by one of Camilla's aides, who has now stepped down, 83-year-old Lady Susan Hussey. Prince William's godmother and longtime confidant to Queen Elizabeth. Ngozi Faloni tweeting the exchange, which reads in part, What nationality are you? I am born here and I'm British. No, but where do you really come from? Where do your people come from? Hussey also asking, quote, What part of Africa are you from? After Ngozi said she was from London. That questioning continuing for some time, she says, and on BBC Radio this morning, describing how she felt. Then I have to really question how this can happen in a, in, in a space that's supposed to protect women against all kinds of violence. So it's not, although it's not physical violence, it is an abuse. A palace spokesman says Lady Hussey has offered her profound apologies for the hurt caused. But this morning, Britain's front pages declaring it a royal disaster. The palace calling the comments unacceptable. While back in Boston... 
Prince William tried to stay focused on his environmental charity. We cannot wait to celebrate the Earthshot Prize finalists later on this week. The Prince and Princess will be hoping all of this doesn't overshadow their visit here. A spokesman for the royal couple saying racism has no place in our society. In their Oprah interview last year, Harry and Meghan claimed a member of the royal family asked Harry what colour their child would be. That prompted this question to William at the time. Yeah, is the, the royal family a racist family, sir? Very much not a racist family. Now, fresh controversy back home, touching the royals' inner circle. And the timing couldn't be worse for William and Kate. And here in Boston today, the Prince and Princess of Wales will meet with local communities. They'll meet with people doing great work for the environment and with a not-for-profit working, for working with high-risk young people. And we have it confirmed they will meet with the President tomorrow. But there's more, guys. Just in the last hour, Harry and Meghan have dropped the trailer for their Netflix special. It is a minute long. In it, they say nobody sees what happens behind closed doors. This is turning out to be an eventful trip, guys. Okay, yeah. there's a lot happened there. Yeah, Kira yeah. Simmons in <clears throat> Boston for us. Kira, thank you. Some timing there on it that is. trailer drop. All right, coming up, you know we love Dolly Parton. <laughs> we love her. Who doesn't? We all do. And we uh, sat down with her, a new conversation with a country music legend, what she revealed about her star-studded Christmas movie, her incredible generosity, and working on a rock album. But first, Jacob Soberoff is at the post office to help all of us survive the holiday shipping frenzy. Hey, Jacob. Hi, Chanel. It turns out the way to survive it is not to show up in the freezing cold before the post office is open. We're going to have all the tips and the tricks and the hacks that you need to know coming up right after this. Don't go anywhere, guys. We're back at a 740 with our Consumer Confidential series. We're bringing you stories every morning around this time that impact your family's bottom line. Yeah, across the street, our tree is lit. We just saw record-setting Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. And now it's time to focus on getting your gifts to loved ones in time for Christmas. Jacob Soberoff is over at the post office here in New York with everything we need to know. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Chanel, 24 days to Christmas. Who's counting right now? You know what Santa's doing. He's packing up his sleigh. The rest of us are here at the post office making sure that our gifts get to our loved ones, our friends, uh, our family on time. But it's expensive here these days, just like it's expensive all across the country. Here's what you need to know to get uh, your packages where they need to go and do it cost effectively. This morning, the tree lights are on and so is the Christmas crunch. With more than $20 billion already spent on Black Friday and Cyber Monday combined, the focus now getting those gifts under the tree in time for Christmas. <laughs> it comes after last year's ship again nightmare marked by record delays and out-of-stock messages, all part of the supply chain crisis that was caused by COVID outbreaks and record consumer demand. While a repeat isn't expected this year, experts say prepare to pay more to send presents by mail. FedEx, UPS, and the U.S. Postal Service are already implementing peak holiday pricing. USPS says their first class and ground services will cost an extra $5.85 for heavy packages sent more than 600 miles. Labor charges are uh, leading all the major ship shipping carriers to put some extra fees on shipping costs, which they are definitely passing on to consumers. Still, there are plenty of ways to save on shipping. The Postal Service offers free packaging supplies. And you can stretch your dollar with other services by reusing old boxes and padded envelopes, as long as they're in good condition. But keep in mind, packing with less will save you more. 
put packages in the absolutely smallest box they have available. You can also cut costs by cutting out the middleman. Buy gifts online and have them shipped directly to the recipient. Many retailers even offer complimentary wrapping and an option to include a gift receipt. No matter how you ship, to ensure delivery by Christmas Day, keep an eye on the calendar. To take advantage of FedEx's cheapest service, be sure to mail those presents by the 14th. The Postal Service needs them by the 17th for ground shipping. And UPS's timing varies by distance. But upgrading to three-day select will buy you until the 20th to send your gifts. Still, insiders advise, tis the season to be proactive. Waiting to send gifts until the last minute can put your delivery at risk of unforeseen weather and processing delays. Meaning when it comes to shipping, it never hurts to be an eager elf. Pro tip, guys, do not show up here on Mondays or on Fridays or on the weekend. Show up in the middle of the week, show up 30 minutes after they open, you'll be good to go. Trust me. I'm coming back over there. I'll see you guys in a minute. That's good advice. Get inside. Get inside. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, we got to get back for Pop Star. Mm -hmm. Uh, But right now, Dylan Dryer's back with another check of the weather. Yeah, it's pretty quiet across the country. That's always a good thing uh, to hear. It's windy still across New England, but those winds will uh, die down as we go through the day. Temperature's a little bit cooler uh, back through the Great Lakes. We also have some lake effect snow, especially up across upstate New York. It's pretty nice down across Texas. Lots of sunshine temperatures in the 60s, but the next storm system is bringing heavy rain to the coast of California and snow to the mountains. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Uh, Coming up next, we are celebrating the remarkable life and legacy of music icon Fleetwood Mac's Christine McVie coming up right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, it's Mel Robbins. Let's cut to the chase. There is a change you want to make right now, but you're waiting to feel motivated. You don't need motivation. You've got me. You can change your life anytime you want. And when you're ready, the Mel Robbins podcast is here to help you with inspiration and simple science-backed tools to help you create a better life. Listen to me and you'll feel motivated, all right. Listen and follow the Mel Robbins podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back 749 with tributes pouring in this morning for a beloved music icon, Christine McVie. Yeah, she was one of the the driving forces behind Fleetwood Mac, responsible for a lot of the group's hits. In fact, NBC's Ann Thompson is here with more. And good morning. Good morning. You know, fans, even some of McVie's bandmates were just stunned by the news of her passing. The 79-year-old dying after what her family described as a short illness. This morning, we have a chance to appreciate the life and prolific career of Christine McVie. For Christine McVie, songwriting was never a struggle. A self-described quick writer and talented keyboard player, McVie became a hitmaker for one of the biggest bands in the world. Born Christine Perfect in England, she was a classically trained musician who loved rock and roll. Eventually, she joined Fleetwood Mac and married John McVie. Along with Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, their musical chemistry 
captured the world's ear. Christine telling Carson in 2014 about the instant connection the band had during their early sessions. Christine, responsible for writing nearly half the songs on the band's iconic album Rumors, including You Make Loving Fun, said to be inspired by an affair she had. Her marriage unraveled, yet the band played on. In 1998, the group inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not long after, due to her fear of flying, McVie left the band, the group reuniting in 2014. Fleetwood Mac releasing a statement writing in part, she was truly one of a kind, special, and talented beyond measure. While bandmate Stevie Nicks penning a handwritten note to her best friend in the whole world, writing, see you on the other side, my love. When you look at the band's greatest hits album, she wrote half wow, of the songs word. on that I didn't album. know that. I had no yeah, idea. I mean, you, that's... A, it was. It's amazing when you look at the body of work that she put out, yeah. and when you think writing came easy to yeah. her. Yeah, I mean, wasn't a struggle. No, mm. can you imagine? And we'll all be listening to those songs yeah. all over again. I yeah. played them all last I night. I bet you did. Great. <laughs> Beautiful tribute. Thanks, Thanks Annie. Thank all right, straight ahead, uh, Trevor Noah. He's going to swing by. We'll talk about his Daily Show departure, his new comedy special, and the important issues he's tackling in his docu- documentary. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.